0: So as we enter into this series of Know Love, Show Love, and we look at the ways that we live this out as the congregation of Bethany Lutheran Church, we consider today, as I mentioned in the opening, we consider worship as one of those contexts where we really know love. Now worship, I would grant you, some people would say, well, really isn't worship about us coming and giving our praise and our claim to God? Really isn't that more about us showing love? And if you want to make that argument, I'm not going to argue with you on that one because I think it's true. But when we think about it, there are very few things that we would say are specifically one way or the other. There aren't really too many times that we would say, well, this is a place where I only know love, but I would never show love in that place. And there aren't places where we would say, well, this is where I really show God's love, but I don't have to know anything about it to do that. We realize all of this is intermixed together. And in fact, when that happens, it's like our council meetings, where all of it just sort of comes together and makes sense for everybody. But there are some there are some really fascinating things about worship that are worth us taking a look at. And so one of the reasons that we had Janet read that opening from Genesis is that if you would look historically, many people would say this was very likely a liturgical liturgy that was used uh, throughout the early times of the church, that they would use this pattern that would be set forward, this pattern that we saw in the very sense of how the writer describes creation happening, and so we know particularly in a place like a, a, a mainstream sort of Lutheran Church that really lives out a sense of that liturgy of a formula That really carries us through that's really evident when we have a traditional worship bulletin like we have today We even highlight those places where if you missed we're really entering into a different phase of worship now with the Gather the meal the uh, the word the offering and the sending those are all a sense of Order about how we relate to God throughout this time and so we participate in that very order in the way that we worship because in a way, we worship a God who's, who's often rather orderly, the way we would hear about that in the, in the creation story. And so it makes sense that we would know something about God in the very way that we structure our worship opportunities. But we also know with that, that the whole creation story started because that there wasn't a lot of order. And it's not as if God says there will no longer be disorder or oftentimes we'll hear it as the word chaos. Sometimes we know that there will be chaos. So microphones don't always work as you enter into worship because sometimes the way we keep our AV team on their toes is just through chaos. And, but we know that in our own lives and some of that is a, is a matter of understanding that there's chaos in the world. And part of what that does sometimes is actually draw us to worship. We actually wanna be in a place where we turn ourselves over to God's order Because we can't order the world on our own. We don't have enough power to do that So sometimes we just want to hand that over to God allowing for God to create Something in us create something in us even out of the chaos that we might be feeling at any given moment Well that sense of order again was reiterated through uh, Psalm 148 that you read uh, together with Janet sets up that point of order throughout the way, mirrors a little bit of that opening passage of Genesis and the way some things are going to be structured for us, just with these little bit of nuances, I think. I mean, I when I read Psalm 148, I can't just read it and turn like the movie in my mind off because everything about it creates all these visual images that continue to play over and over in my mind. Really, with every line, I feel like I have a new movie playing on this mind screen that I have going in front of me when you've got angels and then the sun and the moon, the heavens and the waters, and then we get into knowing the name of the God, and then you get to the praise the Lord from the earth. You see monsters in all deeps, and I I don't have any idea what kind of image you create in your mind over that, But but something about that creates a sense of visual creative excitement as a part of the very way we connect with God through worship. Because we realize this happens understanding that this is a God who doesn't just take us into account, but takes all of creation into account when we understand the wonders that God brings. All of that comes through. And then there are a few places where we would say God's word kind of breaks in in some nuances there. Because part of worship is us turning ourselves over to a God, but maybe in in, in some ways it also means that part of worship is learning and knowing more and more about God. Learning how it is that God wants to approach us. So learning about how God approaches the entire creation, knowing that we're a, a small yet very significant part of that, That's a part of what we do in worship. We let the Word of God actually come and enter into us. And in our best days, we actually learn a little bit about the way that God loves this creation so deeply, and we learn those very facts through the through the very art and form of worship that we gather in today. And so that's where THIS READING FROM LUKE 4 I THINK IS SO SIGNIFICANT. JESUS SHOWS UP IN THE TEMPLE. NOW THIS WAS THE PLACE OF WORSHIP, BUT IT WAS ALSO THE PLACE OF LEARNING. BECAUSE PEOPLE CAME THERE TO HEAR THE SCROLLS, the, 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 uh, THE TESTAMENTS READ TO THEM, THIS COVENANT THAT THEY HAVE WITH GOD. AND SO IN JESUS, FIRST TIME THAT WE GET FROM THE GOSPEL OF LUKE WHERE HE APPROACHES WORSHIP AND HE HAS THIS LEARNING TIME THAT IS BEFORE HIM WHERE we can, HE CAN UNVEIL GOD'S LOVE TO THE world, I find it so significant that the scroll is open to that passage from Isaiah, where what we learn about God is that these are the people that God cares for from this passage. The poor, the blind, and the oppressed. And and, and most people in Jesus' day would have said, well, those are people who obviously have done something to God. They've obviously had something that has gone wrong in their life, and so this plight is upon them. And now Jesus raises up that very passage to let the people know this is how God's love will really be made known. I mean, sure, God could spend time with kings and princes. God could spend time with people who who are living carefree lives. But if we really want to know God's love in a deep way, we know that God is coming for the blind, the oppressed, and for those who are bound up. When we know that kind of love... It opens us up to a whole new kind of worship as well. Because I would say, when we read Psalm 148, we got to that point where we heard the kinds of people that will praise God. And so we heard this, sovereigns of the earth, all peoples, princes, and all rulers, young men and maidens, old and young together, let them praise God. The name of the Lord and it sounds like we're just calling out those who are in some form of power to come and praise the Lord and it could also sort of feel that we're getting to the point of saying if you are in power it's because you have been blessed by God and so you should praise God because you're in a position of such power but I would suggest this people who are in power and truly deserve the power that's been given them, they're in that position because they also understand true power. I mean, they really know that there is a power that is beyond them. And there are two ways that you can go with that. One, is that you can try to deny that power or at least not let other people know that you're not as in charge as they think you are. And so the way that you would do that is deny the existence of God, deny the existence of a power so that people might look only at you as being the ultimate authority. That's really what was happening a couple weeks ago as uh, we heard Pastor Nate talk about Nebuchadnezzar and then later on with Daniel, with uh, Darius, is they were rulers who truly understood power. And so what they did was try to deny that there was a power beyond them so they could be seen as the ultimate power. That's not what we get from Psalm 148. We are not told that when you are in power, you hold on to that and grasp it as tight as you can. We're told if that's the kind of power that you have, you turn around and you praise God. And you also invite others into that praise. In fact, all of creation is invited into that praise. Young men and women, old and young together, ARE ALL GATHERED TO PRAISE THE POWER THAT IS TRULY WORTHY OF WORSHIP. AND AS I LOOK AT THAT, AND and I LOOK AT THE WAY PSALM 148 IS LAID OUT, I LOOK AT THE WORDS THAT JESUS SHARED IN THE TEMPLE, READING FROM THE SCROLL OF ISAIAH, AND I'D SAY WHEN IT REALLY COMES DOWN TO IT, I come into worship because I understand that we have a God who is truly worthy of worship. We have a God who has done so much for us and all creation that we come to worship. But every once in a while, I get to hear about what really moves God's heart, I get to know What really excites God. And I would have to say, most of the time, I don't see myself in that. Most of the time, I don't see myself. I don't consider myself poor or blind or oppressed. But when I know that God WANTS TO SHOW LOVE TO THE POOR, TO THE BLIND, TO THE OPPRESSED, WHEN I KNOW THAT KIND OF LOVE FROM GOD, I CAN DO NOTHING ELSE BUT GIVE MY PRAISE. Amen.